Live from the Talking Joe Studios. It's Talking Joe with Chief and Ben. Hey, 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 it's the Chief. I'm joined by my buddy. It's me, it's Ben. We're back, Talking Joe. Yes, we are, my friend. How are you? I'm good, man. I've had a good week. I've been um, I've been reading and watching a lot of stuff about SpaceX. Elon Musk. Never heard of any of that. And I've decided... Well, I've heard of space, but what's SpaceX? I've decided that we do actually have to leave this planet, Chief. So... Okay. We may what? have to continue recording Talking Joe from the moon base. What does that mean for me personally right now? Dude, I, do you know what? I I don't think it means anything for you because I don't okay. think you're a big space guy. I'm a, I mean, well, I don't know. I'm a fan of space, I guess. It's, it's, <laughs> you know, it's out there. And, Elon you know, Musk, Tesla. He's, okay. The he, name rings a bell, actually. I don't want to seem like a complete chump. Well, <laughs> well, he basically thinks he's... He's Tony Stark, essentially. I like him already. He is Tony Stark, or he thinks he is. Um, he's a fascinating he's fella. He's a techno-futurist. Yeah, basically. Yeah, he's digging tunnels under LA. He's launching privatised space ships, programmes and things. He's trying to get us off this goddamn rock. Because the end's coming. But uh, Possibly. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, p- quite possibly. I've got an electric car. I'm doing my bit, Chief. Have you? All right. Yeah. What are you doing? Riding a boat, riding a push bike. That's good. Yeah. Good. <laughs> so I've been thinking a lot that. about space and um, not been sweating the small stuff because, you know, it's a big old universe out there. Yeah, I like it. I like it. <laughs> what have you been up to? <laughs> um, went to a toy fair at the weekend. Oh, which uh, one? That was Sandown. It's Barry Potter's. He's, <laughs> I don't know if that's a guy or a thing or what, but there's a there's a load. There's like five or six over the UK over the course of the year. This one was at Sandown Park Racecourse, which is not too far from me. Popped Barry down there. Potters. Yeah, popped down there with um, our buddy Dave. Wow. And yeah, uh, we both, had a, really we both had a free pass from family activities, so me and him went down there. I took the motorbike down. First trip on the motorbike since that eventful. Uh, night that uh, you will all recall if you are a faithful listener. If not, go back and listen to that. I have no idea which episode it was, so you're best off just listening to them all again, I would suggest. Um, yeah. That's yes. funny because Emma went to um, the New York Toy Fair, and I'd, yeah, I'd like to see Barry you Potter. guys, I'd like to see you two t- sort of hashing out the differences between the two toy fairs. Yeah, yeah. I Barry mean, this one, Potters. This one was full of old men looking at toy cars and trains, I'll be honest. Yeah. Okay. Well, talk to me. Who had stalls there? What? So the, I mean, it was no. It was just you know, it was just, uh, you know, backyard sellers effectively. Um, right. But there was a few things. Dave uh, bought a nice set of four Ghostbusters action figures. Uh, um, what's three, three? I think they're three quarters, six no, inch. No, no, big, big. Yeah, probably about six inch. They're, they're nice ones. We looked basically. The guy wanted fifty quid for the set. So I went. I did a quick little eBay eBay check just to see how much they go for. And you're probably looking at about, I don't know, somewhere between sixty and eighty. For the who's set. making them? I think they're Mattel. Okay. Um, and then Dave actually, I was Dave. David ran out of money because he'd already bought a Killer Croc, Batman Killer Croc from the animated series version, and right. a 
Greg Capullo designed Batman, which is Greg Capullo's an artist who a few years ago did a big 50 issue run. Okay. Um, and he does he bought that one, and then he had to buy the misses some Sylvanian families. Do you remember them? Mate, do I? I'm living them. Emma, <laughs> and, Emma and Indy are big fans. Okay, so for those who don't know, these Japanese are, company. Are they really? These are anthropomorphic dolls. So what that basically means, it's uh, animals that have been humanized in the shape of non-posable kind of three inch, not even three inch, are they? Very expensive, I know About that. three inch little figures that go in dolls' houses and stuff. So the reason why he had to get them is because he collects action figures and his wife feels left out. So she felt that she needed to collect some kind of toy. And she's like, oh yeah, I remember Sylvanian families from my when I was a kid. I'll get them. So, that's, out, that's, that's good, I reckon. So he had to purchase a set of badgers and a set of meerkats. Uh, oh, so that, the badgers that, are great. That crimped his budget. So now he wants to go back to these Ghostbusters figures, but he hasn't got the cash. So then I said, don't worry, I've got some spare moolah. I, I hadn't made any purchases. I will lend you some money. But then what happened is I found a... How many G- points of interest is Chief Charge? I found a... G- yeah, exactly. I found a G.I. Joe Snake Eyes statue from Diamond Select. It's the one where... You've, you've seen it. I posted it up on the socials and I posted it. Uh, WhatsApp to you. It's the one where there's the cobra head and he's dangling down. It's a scene from issue 21. It is. It's amazing. Uh, it's the one where he lands. Effectively, he's he's parachuted in whatever, and he's landed on that the castle to begin with. Then he starts rappelling down. It's really really cool. How much for that? And the 50 guy, sheets? the guy went seventy. Now Oof. I looked it up. Amazon. The cheapest on Amazon is one hundred and ten. Ah. Oh. And it's about that on eBay. So seventy seemed quite good. But very I thought, good. I thought I'm going to haggle with him anyway. So, um, I spent the, I think. What did I have in my pocket? I think I'd already lended, lent Dave some money, maybe. But then I looked, I had 59 quid. So I emptied, literally, told the guy, I emptied my wallet out into his two cupped hands. I said, look, I've got 59 quid. So he said, yeah, fine, I'll take it. So boom, I got Aww. a bargain. But that meant I didn't have the money to lend Dave for his um, Ghostbusters. So then get, Dave went to the guy and the guy said, I'll do it for 40. Uh, and then Dave said, look, I've only got 36. So the guy then reluctantly accepted. So what I've learned is... Just, just empty your wallet. Just empty your wallet, lowball these people, and uh, everyone got a great bargain. God, it sounds like people were getting bargains. I tell you what, they were not getting good bargains in the New York one. I don't think there was any haggling. Really? <laughs> no. Did So did Emma come back with a couple of suitcases full of cool toys? Um, she came back with various bits, yeah, but it was more... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? It's not really to go and buy stuff. It's a ah. trade. It's a trade. They're very trade fair yeah based, i went they? to i think i mentioned to you i went to actually emma was it this one i went to the you get goodie bags i went to the london toy fair yeah um and emma was there i didn't actually see her but um yeah again i i kind of pretended i was uh talking joe trade uh business yeah. and managed to get in but like you said it was basically uh companies showing you their wares that are going to be on sale in the coming year and yeah more than anything a chance to network and all that kind of stuff rather than sales i mean you could empty your wallet and see what they say but <laughs> i reckon they might look at you a bit strange i tried i tried getting into the hasbro area at the not at barry potter's there was no hasbro there at the uh <laughs> at the london at the london toy fair at uh kensington olympia oh you probably got walked out did you well i went in i thought you know this is a good chance to see some new gi joe toys if there are any or stuff like that um but yeah it was it was uh 
customers only, Hasbro customers only allowed in that area. And the just... guy I was with, Pete, who I was with, said, yeah, we can blag our way in. Let's try again. Let's try again. But we wow. Didn't. Just segueing quickly, are, do G.I. Joe still make toys or is it very much a kind of, they do, but they're sort of hyper collectible not mass produced it's a good question um there's actually a deal i don't know about action figures anymore i I, you know it's not really my scene but um could have fooled me just bought snake eyes well it's a statue sailing down yeah it's a bit different i guess but um is that poseable there was was no no there was a deal recently cut with a company called WizKids. okay and they produce among other things there was a, a game that i was big into it's called hero clicks and it was big kind of superhero line, and it's single small figures on a base, and you turn their dial, it's got a dial on the base, and it shows different stats like speed, strength, and all that kind of stuff, and powers right. and abilities. And they've just, apparently, I haven't read the full articles yet, this was actually released a couple of, maybe last week, um, they've cut a deal with Hasbro, and they're going to start using some of these Hasbro licenses, G.I. Joe being one of them, to potentially produce some, some games. So we could actually be seeing a G.I. Joe game on the horizon soon. Oh, wow. That's what I've noticed that's happening quite a lot is, very simply, they are just reissuing pretty much exact replicas of what they brought out before. Like, they've just re-released most of the He-Man stuff yeah. in its kind of retro packaging. And I think that's what they might have done with G.I. Joe as well. Right. Loads um, of He-Man action figures at this Barry Potter toy fair. Yeah, probably the ones I'm discussing. Do they li- literally no, I mean, just this look- is old. I'm talking about old, you know, just, oh, just boxes old ones. of un- unbagged you know, unboxed, loose figures. like. Two, How much are they going quid, for out of interest? Because I'm always in the market. Each. Two quid. Two quid each? Yeah, two, three quid. May. And literally the not whole lot. Not for like, He-Man or yeah, Skeletor. Yeah, but no no weapons or nothing, you know. Um, I saw eBay, I saw the, they uh, go for big bucks. I saw the Skeletor battle damage chess one. Love that one. Uh, not as rare as it the didn't, ridge. It didn't spin round, didn't? When you hit it, it didn't move. But um, No good then. But then they also had uh, boxed mint on card figures some of them some of the stalls did you know and some of those he-man ones price tags on those were like four five six hundred quid yeah that sounds about right i mean i paid 40 quid for a mint he-man with all the weapons all these loose ones in the box they're not mint they've got scratches and dinks and you know they're not mint by any they're played with yeah as Um, they should have been yeah correct correct uh, I will make a, an apology now if it happens, if the doorbell rings, because uh, last night during the storm, part of my gutter fell down. And uh, I'm waiting for a man to come around with a big ladder to uh, assess the damage and tell me how much money he wants to fix that gutter. I thought you were going to say your guts came down. No, my guts have not come down yet. <laughs> I'm not that old. Oh, God, you know what? Yeah. Guttering. I, I've got a little bit of history of guttering. It's a tricky business. Yeah. You've done the right thing getting someone round. You don't I've want to d- get might, up there yourself. I might have double booked, though, because the guy's coming round, and then I've booked another guy to come round. I don't want two people coming to give me quotes at the same time. Or do I? Or is gutter you, off. Is that how you get a better deal? In my head, they off, just yeah. get each side of the garden with a big gutter, and they yeah. sort of they joust. joust. Yeah. <laughs> if that does not happen, I will be most displeased. <laughs> uh, oh, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, that's a good segue, actually, to go. Cats. God dang cats. Last summer, we have a little kind of uh, backyard area. It was all paved. There was a wooden garage there that kept the motorbike in that the previous owner had put up. We decided, look, Evelyn's, she's three now. She wants somewhere to play. So we decided, get the landscape gardener in. We've let her out. Yeah, we've let her out of the house. We've demolished the garage. We've uh, put in 
uh, some real, real good quality artificial turf. Looks really good. Ah. Um, it would just would have been full too, Surrey. It would have been too much ball like to dig up all that paving and not know what was underneath to know whether it would take grass and it takes too long to bed in. Anyway, we've gone full, real, real good quality artificial turf. Some uh, bedding. Uh, flower bed sections and it looks really nice to plant some vegetables and flowers looks really cool the problem is recently cats coming in and doing their business in the garden orange peel my friend orange peel yeah orange peel dude yeah i mean that's what my mum did in the 80s (laughs) okay times might have moved on but (laughs) you when you said cats cats might have evolved that's a little bit tricky for us in the martin household because unfortunately we had some sad news and we've had to give our cat away Oh no! Uh, we had a cat called Storm. A big bugger he was, like a sort of a pedigree British blue, like very cute to look at. Yes. He was going for Indy, our youngest. Really? He was basically hunting her. He's kind of. I think he'd out alphaed me, and he was in charge of the house. What was that all about? It got so bad that it, you know we we were like we can't live like this anymore. He's going to have to go. So hopefully she doesn't have a cat phobia now. Well, no, it was difficult though. I mean, there there were tears. So anyway, at Christmas, when we had a Christmas tree, it was going in the tree loads and we, you know, went, we Googled it and the orange peel thing came up. Something to do with the, um, I don't know, the smell, I guess. Okay. And it does work. It does work, but it makes your garden look a bit weird. Well, we, we got, we put two things up. We got these thing called predator eyes, which are little black box and all it does at night time high pitch sound it, is it, it just put, it puts on kind of a, a a red it's just like a red led basically oh right okay but then also we have got those pitch sounds though it's, it's kind of a little box looks like some sort of um cb radio out of the 1980s you turn some dials or whatever and it gets to a certain frequency and supposedly there's different frequencies for different animals apparently you wouldn't be able um, to hear any of those because at your age you're yeah, a shot yeah you know it so uh they've been working for a while but now they seem to have stopped working uh so yeah maybe you're at war with the cats cat evolution yeah i you know i don't i don't mind cats don't have, i had cats in my house growing up um but i'm just generally not a big pet guy i don't understand it it's well, nor was I. They had to convince me. It took two years okay. for me to okay the cat. It's just and another then... thing for me to take care of. Yeah, and also it's difficult going away and stuff yeah. like that. I don't, yeah, especially dogs. I don't get do- I like dogs. I've got nothing against dogs. Big fan of dogs, but I would never have a dog. Because uh, like, like, yeah. like, like you say, you know, how do you, you can't go away on holiday. You've got to put it in kennels or you've got to do this. It just, it's I'd limiting. Have another it's like another ki- kid. Uh, I think a lot of people who get them, uh, it's... Uh, you know, a substitute kid almost, isn't it? Yeah, I'd have an easier time talking about having another kid than a dog. I think yeah. a dog is more work. It just takes away all of your spontaneity. You can't do anything. Um, Crikey, yes. talking Joe. Talking Joe. Animal haters. <laughs> Let's talk about some Joe. Uh, before we talk in, before we dig into the issues of the week, just want to let you know that the other day, unfortunately, you couldn't make it. I had a good chat with Mr. Chad Bowers. Now, Chad Bowers is a comic book writer. He has written for Marvel, Image, IDW. He actually did some back matter in the recent Sierra Muerte books from IDW that Michelle Fife is doing. He's actually got a section in the back of each one of the three issues. Issues two comes out at the end of this month, I think. Um, so he's talking about he's a big G.I. Joe fan, basically. He's written X-Men and Young Bud from Image. And uh, I had a sit-down interview with him. He welcomed him into the Talking Joe studios. We had a good chat. We talked about a few of his books and G.I. Joe in general. And a good guy, good guy. That's great. You can can catch, we'll play a little clip of the 
interview right now and then you can expect the full interview to drop maybe one or two days after this episode is safely on your device. Hey, 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 it's me, the Chief. I'm here in the Talking Joe studios and I'm pleased to say we've got our second ever guest on the show. Um, This guy has written for Marvel, Image, IDW, Dynamite and he's worked on properties such as X-Men and Youngblood. I want to say it's a pleasure to welcome to the Talking Joe studios, Mr. Chad Bowers. How are you, sir? Hey, Chief Good, man. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. G.I. Joe, was it, were you kind of equal parts cartoon toy comic or was one of them more standout for you? I think I was certainly into the cartoon uh, first um, because it was on earlier than when I was you know, collecting comics. I mean, I remember watching that you know, before I could, I guess, really, really read very much, I guess. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, when when I realized that the cartoon might stop, but the comics kept going, I assumed I always assumed that the comics when I was a kid, probably when I was like five or six, or when I first started paying attention to the comics, I remember thinking that the comics were an extension of the show, right? Like the comics were part of the show, right? Okay. Uh, and and then realizing like when when the relationships were a little bit different when there was like a Scarlet and Snake Eyes thing instead of a Scarlet and Duke thing. Yeah. And you know, there were, there were different dynamics to the, to the team and stuff like that. That's when I realized, Oh, wait a minute. Like the comics is the real thing. (laughs) It's like, you know? Yeah. So I remember that. I think my first, like my first issue that I remember having was 40, was it 49? It's the one where like, uh, like tunnel rat. And I think, it's got it's got Raptor on the cover. Uh, it's Tunnel Rat, and I think, I think it might that's be that's a little uh, bit later. Yeah, uh, I can't remember what it is. Fifty-nine, maybe. Okay, yeah, I knew it was. I knew it was something around there. I think. But it's a. Uh, they're like in the. Is it the brawler? The little thing you pull behind the. It's like the big four-barreled rolling gun uh, thing. Oh yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think it's a brawler. I forget what that thing's called. But anyway, uh, yeah, that 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 particular issue really stands out because I remember trying to like draw that cover because I thought okay. Raptor was <laughs> like thought Raptor was really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and and remember not long after that getting getting Raptor, which was pretty awesome. Yeah. Cool. That was a little brief snippet of the interview I did with Chad. Uh, go and check out his work. He did X Men ninety two on Marvel and Young Blood for Image, and also check out his current stuff in the back of the Sierra Muerte book from IDW. Good to talk to Chad, and hopefully we'll get him back on the show later in the year. Now it's time to rank some GI Joe comics. Let's do this. Okay, we're talking about issues forty five, forty six, forty seven, and forty eight of Real American Hero. Whoa. So this spans the period of March to June 1986. Good times were had by all. Yeah, we're in 86. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. We're getting there. Time's flying. What, yeah. what do you think of these covers? All covers done by Mike Zek. They are... I'm actually just going to go through them now. So, right, so 45. 45 we've got fantastic. Some, we've got Ripcord on the front. Close up. You know, serious face. In the background, obviously... You know, badass Zartan. Badass Zartan with a bow aiming an arrow for his head. Yeah, good one. great. Yeah, it's brilliant. Nighttime, uh, really good. Uh, next one, we've got 46. This is Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow in a doorway. Again, looking pretty mean. And I love that colour in that, uh, that deep glow of yellow. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool. And I love the green G.I. Joe as well. Green G.I. Joe logo, yep. yep. Uh, Another great cover. 47. And also, you're thinking, hang on. What are these two guys yeah. doing together? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Malta. I mean, they parted on goodish terms, I guess, in the subway. That's that's true. Yeah. Scene, but yeah, well, they're up to something. Uh, and then 40, forty-seven. You got a couple of new Joes here. 
floats my boat. We got wetsuit. Obviously, we saw wetsuit in that special missions we discussed last episode, but that was kind of out of chronological order. Yeah, so we didn't see first, him dressed first, up like this either. First regular appearance in his garb that most people would know. And then yeah. you've got uh, some dude in a balaclava, Beachhead, obviously. Beachhead, one of my absolute faves, Chief. Yeah, yeah. One of my faves. And the, the outfit there is actually Hawk, but I'm not sure that's right. Should it be Duke? No, because Hawk gets involved. Hawk's no. Mm. Well, we'll see when we go through it. I read, these, I read these issues a few days ago, and I'm already mm, losing same. track. But they're in, a, they're in a new little vehicle as well, uh, which we haven't seen before. And then yeah. 48, big fan of this cover, Zartan... On the cover, gung-ho, in a headlock, with his pistol. Uh, clearly, he is inside the G.I. Joe base, the pit. Yeah, that's exciting. Four crackers there. Four really not a bad cover between them, yeah. I would say. Yeah, very if good. If I was going to have to pick a fave, I would say, obviously, the sea-based one. All oh, right, okay. <laughs> it's just, I mean, that's wild action. Yeah, that is wild action. So, so yeah. over this is, a, this, is, this is generally a four. We're going to class this as one storyline. Uh, what's happened here is obviously Cobra has their new island uh, in the Gulf of Mexico and uh, Ripcord has semi-disobeyed orders and parachuted into Cobra Island. So uh, we'll come on to that. We'll, we'll dis- I, like, I want to discuss that, that bit specifically when we talk about the, the storyline, but that's what's happened. He's gone in there. The Joes end up sending in a rescue crew to get him out. A big kerfuffle with Ripcord and Zartan, which ends up with Zartan back in the pit. Um, yeah, and that's kind of that's kind of the, the whole how it shakes out. These are four cracking issues, Chief. Yeah, these are fabulous, aren't they? I'm I'm very very good. Yes, these are going to be very high up on your list. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I, definitely. I bet they are. So should we get stuck into it? So let's, let's I'd get say. Stuck in. The big arc, I think, is the Ripcord and Zartan shenanigans. Yeah, really, really good. Because that takes up the most of issue 45 anyway and spills over into 46. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, yeah, Ripcord, you know, he jumps out and goes down and you think he's going off grid, but it kind of turns out that the up top G.I. Joes were kind of hoping that he was going to do that. Yeah, the reason... sort of almost assuming that he would. Kind of the scenario there is he's in a Sky Striker with Ace... And How good is that panel as well, though? We think that... What, the first one? Yeah, it's epic. Where they're doing the flyover. Yeah, oh, yeah really good, really good. Reconnaissance. They're, they're doing a flyover. They're taking some pictures, effectively, and they've spotted something which turns out to be Cobra Terradromes, um, which are the new they're Cobra building down there, mini man. bases. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's industry going on. And yeah. um, there's a real cool bit where uh, Ripcord says, Ace, cabin pressure is dropping. Better check your personal air supply. Roger, Ripcord. Hey, cabin pressure's normal. What? And then he pulls that. Just wanted to make sure you had air. And he ejects. Uh, yeah. So Ripcord is ejected, and he's now, you know, like you say, going to Cobra Island. But also, uh, General Austin, who's still recovering from his heart attack, is talking to Hawk, and Hawk kind of says, you know, what would happen if a guy made his way onto Cobra Island, and if he were to take a few up close photos, we'd be forced to send in a rescue team. So, like you say, it was semi-orchestrated. Um, yeah, but nothing. there's a lot of red tape to get through with yeah. this Cobra Island thing. They can't really, they can be like two miles off off the coast of it. They can fly over it, but what they can't do is be on it. Yes, yes, effectively. Uh, the other thing I forgot to mention, one of the other ma- major plot points or synopsis here is the Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes bit. We obviously I forgot to mention. They've got word from the Hardmaster. Actually, happens in this issue early on. 
uh, from the Softmaster, sorry, Snake Eyes has found out the name of the killer of the Hardmaster. So him and Storm Shadow have teamed up and they're on their way to Cobra Island in a stolen yeah. Rattler to confront the killer. So at this point, we know that the killer is a Cobra individual. I mean, it's hinted at heavily who it is, uh, but still he's not been named just yet. Just hopping back to the Ripcord stuff, I absolutely love all of the panels with ripcord like parachuting down oh the no silent di- pages no dialogue. no dialogue yeah close up as and he then comes. you know yeah, yeah, yeah. spending time with him like he's wrapping up his shoe it's yeah. night time and the actual the weapon. actual we haven't discussed the actual reason he is he did eject because his somewhat sometime girlfriend candy bongo the bear Hardly, um, really, though. I mean, he's got no, that's, it bad. That's, yeah, yeah. He, he, he's he's fallen for her in a big way. And her dad, Professor Appel, is uh, high up Crimson Guardsman. And they know he's on the island. So he's basically gone to the island to try and find Candy. Yeah, to say he's fallen for a hard is an understatement. I yes. mean, he is terrifying. Yes. Smitten. <laughs> he is a man on a mission. He is not going to let anything stop him. Yeah. And, oh, but is a man called Zartan going to stop him? There's a cool bit where Zartan... They say, oh, he's going out on patrol or whatever. And Zartan goes to his locker, pulls out some sort of long, it's almost like a snooker cue case. Like, yes. You're like, what's he got there? Oh, he's going out on patrol and he's kind of backlit with, he's kind of silhouetted with this backlight. It's uh, really cool. Yeah, then, doesn't, doesn't like one of the um, Cobra Troopers say, where are you off to? Or something. Does it, does that happen? Uh, going for a stroll, Zartan. Yeah. And you're like, you could say that. So he knows someone's out there and, you know, at Don't this... you, I love all this stuff. Yeah. This is so good that the cat and mouse they have when they're yep. they're sort of locked in combat with each other, and Ripcord is uh, you know he's behind some rubble, and you have got Zartan on the cliff top. Yeah, there's a there's a bit here that uh, I was gonna pick up on. Is it you know we probably need a no prize if we can explain this in a way because Ripcord, like you say, he's got a mental. He's got a knife. He's got a big Bowie knife, like out of Crocodile Dundee, and he's holding it to this um, Cobra Trooper's face as if he's going to slice him up, you know. And he's basically saying, um, "Where's Professor Appel? Where is he?" And the guy's going, "I don't know. I don't know." And he's literally just going to mash him up. And Zartan has got his telescopic lens. He's zoomed in, and he actually says, "Somebody with a private debt to settle with Professor Appel." So he must also have a like parabolic microphone or something to be able yes. to hear what he's saying but later in the issue he says i wish i had my parabolic mic <laughs> so yeah i, I think maybe he's just got good hearing or maybe ripcord's just shouting i think harmer's so excited about writing this he's just running down a hill yeah and yeah he yeah. may have uh and zartan actually snags there. him doesn't he, he loses an arrow because in, in that big long box was uh a compound bow yeah, he snags him. He goes right through the Cobra Trooper. Goes and through then the Cooper Co- Trooper's, Trooper's neck. And then Cooper Trooper! Cooper tr- goes <laughs> through the Cooper Cobra Trooper's neck and right through Ripcord's arm, clean. Yeah. And then this is where you get that nice bit you were saying, the cat and mouse, where they're actually now chatting to each other from behind uh, cover. Ripcord's like, I'm going for it. And he pops out yep. and he, he gets a few good shots off. I think he tags Zartan through the thigh. Yeah, he does. But... Um, Yep. Zartan does kind of skim the side of his head. Yep, yep. Knocks his helmet off. Then they go they go closer and they, they start going hand-to-hand. Great panel where Ripcord just gets up one arm and just blams off a bunch of rounds. He's going, no! Yeah, because yeah. Zartan's kind of shape-shifted camo into the background. And then the, you know, the rain's the really jacked up here. It's raining. All the panels footprints. are soaked. It's oh, great, great stuff. stuff. And then you get uh, Zartan, then you get Ripcord doing a... Uh, 
uh, Rambo, John J. Rambo from Rambo 2, where yes. he's, he's all encased in mud in the wall, but here he's encased in mud in the ground. Yes. He just jumps out and does him one. So, you know, if we, oh, keep, following, if we keep following these two guys' kind of narrative through yeah. these four issues, yep. now we get into the, the big kind of the, the switcheroo. So, effectively, Zartan has impersonated Ripcord and his plan is to be rescued yep. by G.I. Joe, taken back to the pit Correct. and, I Infiltrate, guess, wreak get, some get the, havoc. Get, the, get yeah. the whereabouts. Location, I suppose. And again, a great, great, you know, this is, this is uh, that's the start of issue 47, Who's Who on Cobra Island. Great title. And that first, yeah. open, another great opening page splash where, like you said, Zartan is standing above Ripcord and he's, you know, kind of gloating and you can see him half changing into Ripcord's camo. Yeah, I mean... It, and then he this, dresses up uh, Ripcord as Zartan, doesn't he? Yeah, and that side of things move pretty quick. Like, Ripcord as Zartan quickly gets discovered, doesn't he? Yes. That it isn't Zartan. They don't really waste too much time with that. Yeah. You're that Joe, Ripcord, that Candy was involved with. Oh, when they sorry, when they take Ripcord back to the territory. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he's like, this is where Professor Apple, does he have a bit of a change of heart? Or he's like, I really need to find Candy. And he... He tries I think to he, does. he tries to help Ripcord. Um, no, because that's right. He you know, he he finds out that Cobra Command has been lying to him because he's been asking Cobra K, um, "Where's my daughter? Where's my daughter?" And he's been fobbing him off. Uh, and yeah. now he kind of realizes Cobra Commander doesn't know where she is. You know, and he feels a bit betrayed. So he knows that Zar- um, Ripcord is the best chance he's got of seeing his daughter again. So that's why he helps uh, Ripcord escape. Yeah, in that vertical rocket in the firebat. Yeah. Yeah. My least favourite part of the Ripcord and Zartan stuff, I know is going to be probably your favourite part, Go on. but is the is the pit stuff, right, where okay. Zartan is in the pit. Yep. Um, I don't know, just didn't enjoy it. I mean, I, it's still super amazing stuff, just didn't wasn't into it as much as the stuff up front. Okay, so this is where Zartan, like you say, he's been taken back to the pit. Uh, blood has taken... Uh, blood. Doc has taken some blood samples and realised that, doesn't wait a minute, up. this doesn't match up. And then, they re- okay, Zartan is now on the loose and he starts shape-shifting to different Joes um, to try and I escape. I mean, he was getting the feels even when, you know, on the chopper and, like, he has to knock him out and he briefly turns back into Zartan and he, he says something like, whoa, Ripcord looked like Zartan for a minute then, that can't be, and then just thinks nothing of it. Yeah, exactly. So Yeah. Yeah, no, I like all this bit. The Joes... They start barbecue starts laying down foam uh, to see the footprints and blowtorch is just basically flame throwing corridors randomly. Could have got anyone. They've got some radar portable radar units. They basically they've got a guy on the loose and they're doing all they can to get him. The way that they do get him, I was like, wow, I didn't see this coming. Obviously, I did when I found out what the issue was called. But I was like, we got Sergeant Slaughter turning yeah. up, yeah. And, and he just gives him a, a right hand haymaker. He he gets well, he, he gets a good introduction because he kind oh, of, it's brilliant. He turns up at some wherever he turns up, and there's some guys just sitting around, uh, and he immediately takes charge and leads them on a, a hunt. And then that's where, like you said, he ends up with two gung hos at the end of uh, a corridor. Fifty fifty is it? He's like fifty fifty, and he punches out the right one. And then in the end, he actually says that. He says, how did they say, how is Sarge? How did you know it was the right one? He goes, it was a 50-50 shot. I guess if it was gung-ho, he'd have probably just punched out the other one as well. Yeah, exactly. Also, just quickly, uh, Sergeant Slaughter as a character, is he a unique character or is he 100% based off of the WWF guy? 
Yes, uh, based off WWF guy. Interesting. Okay, so should we hop back to the Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow yep. stuff? So they've now, in that Rattler, Storm Shadow's kind of said to Snake Eyes, look, it was Zartan who impersonated me and killed the Hardmaster. He's on Cobra Island. Let's uh, let's take him out. Yeah, okay, Chief. Now, look. I'm the, just flicking through these pages. The art from Rod Wiggum is just yeah, amazing. Yeah, the art throughout the is amazing four through issues. all four. So, so good. Very difficult to pick out best panels but look let me tell you something that's, that stops this arc from getting a 10 from me yep. it's to do with the delivery of finding out that Zartan is the guy that killed the hard master the, ha- the hard master I just you know I don't need things to be that signposted but you know if I was 10 yeah. I think I probably would have needed it to be that heavily signposted right they just kept coming to it, and I just didn't like his dialogue. I was like, he's just explaining everything, and I, I thought those panels would have been so much more badass yeah. if Zartan didn't have any dialogue and I it think, just visually cut back to him. I think that was probably a trope of the time of kind yeah, of yeah. I comics, think so. I think you're right. Storytelling in general, um, you know, was kind of quite heavy on the exposition i mean harmer doesn't probably do half as much as other superhero books were doing at the time but i see what you're saying in in it was a very sort of fast flowing storyline and then that kind of not bogs it down a little bit but it's like you know i know what you're saying i'm not i'm not stupid i know I, i worked it out for myself and there was enough signposts to to not have to explain it I think you still needed the panels of yeah. Zartan cutting back to him. And, and it's like, okay, we're cutting back to Zartan. So I get it. It was just some of his dialogue, especially about the um, a bow and arrow that can penetrate, penetrate walls and yeah. stuff like that. And a few other bits of dialogue. But that was the kind of one thing that I thought, I can't say it's a perfect issue because there was a few things that I didn't feel like I needed. Right. But anyway, Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow. Pretty badass subplot, really, going they, on here. Yeah, it's a cool bit where they storm the island, don't they? They get the, oh, take so the tower, good. and then they end up in the, the terror drone, whatever. Where I'd he love is. to see that in live action. Man. Oh, fantastic! They're just that throwing troops at be... them, and this is now where you know Storm Shadow has effectively, you'd think, severed ties with Cobra, um, because he's gu- he's gunning down and chopping down Cobra troops. Yeah, and um, he's got a lot of dialogue, hasn't he? Because obviously he's effectively. He's talking kind of for Snake Eyes as well. Talking for Snake Eyes, but he, all of his dialogue makes you think that, well, this guy's totally not flipped to become a a Joe, but yeah. certainly is left Cobra. Yes, yes. Great, great page here where they find a Zartan dressed ripcord in the firebat. Professor Apple's about to launch it, and there's a great panel where Storm Shadow's he's got his sword behind him and he's about to cut through the cockpit through the canopy, and uh, instead. Um, gets cuts down Professor Appel and Storm, uh, Snake Eyes tackles him out of the blast and then there you go the fire bats away Professor Appel's dead um, yeah and Storm Shadow was happy to take it there wasn't he yeah he was like yeah I'll, I'm, I'll sacrifice myself you know no props we can talk about quickly the Joe's rescue bit because that's where we get Alpine we get oh, uh, Beachhead so Wetsuit we get Quick, quick Kick we get the little Devilfish which is the Joe vehicle, we get the ski sea skimmers, which is Mindbender's little thing. We're getting big hitters for yeah. me. These are the big boys. I yeah. mean, Beachhead is probably top five for me. Really? Yeah, but I'm guessing most of his character that I 
how I cartoon. think of him is, is, is coming from the cartoon, but he is such a ball buster yeah. in the cartoon. And he's he's got a real beef about uh, where he falls in the chain of command. Right. Um, but just visually, he is amazing. I'm looking at Don't pages here of the rescue attempts coming, and I'm looking at pages so violent where Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes are cutting their way down to a hydrofoil to escape. Um, yeah, the, the intercutting is so good with the the Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow yeah. stuff and then back to the Joes. Because G.I. Joe here, are they breaking the law by going onto this island? Um, because they're being pretty aggressive. They're being pretty aggressive. They've been told it's like a no restriction zone. Although ha- that ha- I think that happens at the end of issue 48 possibly where Hawk goes to meet uh, the jugglers who are a secretive group of high-ranking politicos. And they, at yeah. the end of that, they say Cobra Island is now off-limits. Flint is aggressive, isn't he? Flint, I love yeah, yeah. Flint. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great issue. Uh, it is. The the rain, that they're coming up in the dinghy, and it's just like, this doesn't get much better, does it? I mean, I mean, how could I have forgot that bit where uh, Storm Shadow has ended up in the water and he's fighting with, basically, dude. it's a great bit where he's Shocked. he's fighting with eels, as in cobra eels, yeah, and he the sharks come along and he basically says something like eels, you better fight hard. They got to team up almost to get these sharks because when we're done with the sharks, you got me to deal with. Uh, I mean, GI Joe, who who is it, Hawk or Duke? They they're not really that bothered about even attempting to help old Storm Shadow when they see how many sharks are with him. Yeah, Snake Eyes just murks one of the sharks, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah, proper, proper. <laughs> He's basically he's coming out of the water, the shark, and he's, you can see him. He's got his knife behind him, and he just does him big time. Oh, my God. The panels of Alpine cl- uh, climbing. Yeah. What a great character he is as well. Yeah. They kind of uti- Harmer's very clever here. He, he, he almost puts in some mountain range climbing action just to show off Alpine's specialist skill. Yeah. When he's, he's climbing up those vertical panels, he's got, he's got some awesome kind of uh, eyewear going on, yeah. Alpine. Yeah. And Storm and Shadow, quick kick, Sto- quick kick as well. Yeah, you know, quick. There's a great panel of quick kick. He's leaping into action. He's got a sword in one hand, a nunchuck in the other, and throwing stars down his belt. Yeah, he's tooled I, up. I, I always thought of quick kick as you know. I was like, you know, if it came to it, Snake Eyes could absolutely hand it to him. But, yes, you know, he was a good character. Yeah, yeah. And of course, at the end of this issue, Storm Shadow comes out of the out of the water, and he's greeted by Baroness, who basically shoots him in the heart. Yes. Yeah, she does not hesitate, Chief. No. And Destro, I feel like Destro thought that she was a little bit harsh. Yeah. But they do flag all the kind of stuff that I was thinking. I was like, well, hang on. Can, you know, he can stop his heart rate. He can he can fool you. And uh, Mindbender clearly wants that body. Yeah. You know, he says we can't waste such a good, good sort of stock. genetic specimen. Yeah, and that is uh, what we'll That's dig intrigue. into in the next one. Uh, I think just wrapping up this little talk about this run is we'll just briefly talk about Ripcord being back with the Dreadnoughts. He's in hospital uh, dressed as Zartan and they bought him a get well soon basket and it's got a six pack of grape sodas uh, Ripper's holding a bunch of flowers and it's got a little packet of bonbons wrapped up classic they're still under the guise of him being Zartan and they they, they break him out of the hospital and then they catch him or they, they're in a diner and uh, he's gone out to use a phone box whatever and then he's actually called the pit Ripcord's called yep. the pit to basically say um, here I am, I'm going to go back to Springfield with these dreadnoughts and we're going to find the location of the Cobra base. So while the, the yeah. Zartan was trying to get the location of the Joe base, Ripcord's trying to do the opposite for the Cobra base. Where do we begin with our Yojo Colas? 
It has to be a nine or a ten for me. At the moment, I'm undecided. Absolutely, absolutely. I I thought you'd be going a ten. I have to say, I think just a few. Lo- I can't say to me that it's perfect. So I think I have to go nine. But it would be a mighty high nine. Okay, chief. Yep. I think one thing's for sure: they the four issues flow like no other four issues have done. Yeah, I'm going ten. He's done I'm it. Ten. I'm going ten. And I'll place that on the... I know I said I'd tweet out and social media out the ranking list last time. I didn't do yeah, it. Yeah, tweeted out shit, didn't, Chief. <laughs> I didn't do it. So as soon as we've placed these issues on the spreadsheet, I am 100% going to do it. I do actually... I'm curious um, because it's going to be easy for you to sort your 10s because there's only... So where does it... Well, I've got, we've both only got one 10. Which That's is, what I mean. We've both got shakedown. So just for the interests of that... Is it, You've got to put it above, I reckon. I've probably got to put it above, yeah. Yep. So because this is my number one of all time. What a joy to reread four issues instead of just one. Yes, correct. Um, so there you go. It's my new top Joe story ever. Oh, Chief, I'm go. going back. I'm going to go 10. Uh, yeah, I, I love it. Think, I, I love it. I think I have to because it's got to be down to rereadability, a lot of it. Yes. I think that has to play a massive role. Oh, it's, it's probably one of my one of my you know uh, main factors when I'm reading something. What would I rather read again? Uh, and Especially... sometimes longer format stories you're like i'm not going to read that again just because of the length but this because those four issues are you know it doesn't feel like a long haul it just feels like four fantastic 88 pages of great gi joe story so I'll yeah and also as a kind of time capsule it does work very well you've got everything in there really yeah. that you're ever going to need from a gi joe story yeah. and it's good that um, you know we've both <clears> now got two tens one is a single issue issue 34 one's a four issue story so you know whatever mood takes you i want to read the best gi joe story ever do i want to need a single issue or a four yeah. issue issue i've got the choice my time i'm you know time sensitive i'll do the single if i've got a bit more time i'll do the four just just um briefly sort of talking about what's coming i feel like we're going into a, a new kind of era of the story and i i used to think that you weren't really into this particular kind of arc that's coming up but yeah i feel like I now that, that you th- well you actually are i think this kind of middle range stuff that we're coming into you're probably right back when i was reading it and i was a lot younger but it's changed in hindsight you I know see. It, it, maybe i wasn't but now i'm really really looking forward to this stuff that's coming up and um Interestingly, just looking at kind of figures around this time, we I read out on the last episode something from John Jackson Miller, who is a um, like a comic book historian almost and collates a lot of figures. Yeah, and I'll just read out this other little bit that uh, he sent me a bit of information, and he's saying um, the story of the main series sales is that comic shops wanted nothing to do with it in the early days. Its poor sales were a bit of a running joke at my local shop in 1982-83. But then when the TV show started and Hasbro dumped several million dollars onto the comic series in order to go around the advertising content rules, it became a bigger deal. Uh, and prices on number two, which had a low print run, skyrocketed. So Because people went back. Yeah, and the TV... The, the TV... Uh, Tie-in thing. The, the TV advertising content rules were something like you had to have at least a certain amount of time devoted to kids playing with the actual toy. And somehow they obviously got well. They got around it with showing the the, the, the cartoon adverts to adver- effectively what they said was we're advertising a comic with this TV advert. But in reality, they were also you know then on the next advert break they'd advertise the toy. So they knew the yeah. real money was in toys. 
but they thought we can sneak in a, a comic book advert disguised as a toy advert. Chief, if I was reading these when I was six, as soon as I put the comic down, yep. I would want those toys. Yeah, correct, correct. <laughs> I mean, instantly. Yeah. And the, the last little bit here, he's got. He says, "I've got no data for 1987, but my subsidiary resources say the peak issue would have been issue 54, cover dated December ah. 1986." So, are we in terms of do no, we feel comfortable of, saying that that is the highest selling issue of GI Joe? I'm excited. Possibly, to see what that I'm not sure. Like. It's, and then he, the last little bit, he says, "It looks like the peak was before the 1987 movie by a few months." My sense at the mm. time was the addition of Sergeant Slaughter to the franchise was kind of the jump the shark moment for some fans. Kind of obviously, yeah. Kind of obviously, that's what I'm trying to say. Kind of obviously a publicity stunt, but I admit I wasn't following it closely at that point. So that's why I was. That's why I was saying I feel like there is an absolute line here where it changes tact a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I know the types of issues that you like. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting to get into this kind of middle juicy. I think spell. this is another period where we're getting a lot more coming up especially in the next sort of 15 20 issues a lot more toy characters will start showing or you know they're all toy characters effectively but a lot a lot more additions are going to be made rapidly yeah pretty much in every issue like these additions we, uh, here wet three... suit, wetsuit beachhead quickly whatever they didn't feel like they were shoehorned in uh but there, no. there will be some that will feel a little bit like oh bloody hell he's just putting that in but that's the magic of larry harmer he can take a character that you'd have thought was junk and actually make him fit the story so but i i almost like the fact the way that he doesn't sometimes he doesn't give you too much time on introducing them because i think he realizes that it could feel forced and it's like yeah. let's just do a cold opening in a firefight and there's a couple new joes there yeah and we just we just get into it i talk about know? i talk about this i think in the interview with chad where i mentioned or we, we both talk about the fact that a cast of characters not even the x-men has the amount of characters in it that Harmer had to deal with in G.I. Yeah. Joe. He had a, a cast that was bigger than anything else. Surely he must have just had a huge pin board with just... Towards the end, it's hundreds yeah. of characters. Yeah. All good stuff. Okay, uh, well, there's one thing we've got to close out on, and it's uh, Chief asks Ben a question. Chief asks Ben a question. What'll he say? What'll he do when Chief asks Ben a question? I'm not sure if you're a fan of chocolate bars. Um, hmm. Okay, uh, but I was, well, no. but I was going to say, are there any? What if you've got one of? If you've you you need you know you got sixty p in your pocket, you need. A, oh, dude, I have. I've got one. You you got a sugar rush. You need to grab something now, or if you could go back in time and potentially select one that maybe you don't see on the shelves much anymore. Okay, so okay, I don't have. I don't eat chocolate bars now. Haven't done for. I don't know, 10, 15 years. Wow. But I have a lot of experience in them. So okay. when I was, I was like laboring, um, working on a building, like construction yep. to our American fans. Uh, I did that for about two years. And I personally went on a odyssey that was called the Great Boost Trail. Ah, now, Cadbury's Boost. Yeah. Oh, the glucose. Oh my God. I went down, I used to have one of those or two every single day for the best part of two years. Jeepers. I didn't have any... I, I just couldn't believe how good that chocolate bar is. Now, can I just interject slightly? Not the green one, the blue one. Okay, so on. I vividly remember Boost. When I used to play American football... It's niche. I used to play American football on a Sunday for Bournemouth... Bournemouth... 
bear kept Come wild on. cats or someone Bournemouth oh that's not Bournemouth, original Bournemouth bears and um uh I used to after getting playing my mum and dad would pick me up in in the cars I think it was about 16 and um I would always they would always have waiting for me after after training after practice a can of sun-kissed orange a fizzy drink and a red biscuit uh, not a biscuit boost a red coconut boost now that coconut boost did not last long it was probably only about one or two years um so it was pure coconut down the middle then like you said there was a glucose boost there was a biscuit boost there was a guarana boost and there was a chocolate boost i i had you down as a, a lion bar kind of guy oh yeah peanut lion bar that's a that's a cracker no, the boost is uh, it has to be soft. It actually has to be warm. Um, what an incredible chocolate do they bar do that still, is! I have do they still no, do boosts. They, I'm sure they must do. Right. Don't know if it ever hit the states, but it's it's Cadbury's, yeah? yeah. It's definitely Cadbury's. And very very quickly, thirty seconds. You're you're a man of uh, transatlantic um, uh, departures, etc. How do you feel the American candy, if you will, uh, mounts up against the UK stuff? They think we're nuts, don't they? They think that we're bonkers because I think ours has got a, a lot more sugar in it. Okay. Um, and I think there's a famous Simpsons episode where they go to the UK and it's like, quick, let's get some of their candy. And they, they basically like start hallucinating and tripping right. out. Yeah, but, that I've but tried, uh, no. all I've tried is that Hershey stuff and it is horrible. Yeah, it's, it's vile. It's like so cheap and cheerful right, okay. and powdery. I, I do like, um, oh, crikey, what's the stuff he has in E.T.? Uh, Reese's Pieces. Oh yeah, I like Reese's Pieces like, just because of the like, peanut butterness. Because I love peanut butter. But yeah, God, you are a beast for peanut butter. So yeah, I thought you were going to talk. I thought you were going to ask me what I thought of their uh, airports. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> um, Which uh, I don't think much of, by the way. Okay. Well, on that note, um, <laughs> be with us <laughs> next week. Bombshell. Be with us next week when we'll be talking more rubbish as normal. We'll also be talking GI Joe. We will have, uh, I guess, issues fifty nine, sixty, sixty one, sixty no. 49, 50, 51, 52. We'll do those four issues. Um, also, check out the interview with Chad Bowers. It's a long one. It goes about an hour. I tried to keep it to 40 minutes, but the chat was so good, we just kept recording and kept rolling. And if you listen to the first interview with Michelle Fife, I did a G.I. Joe pop quiz, four questions for Michelle. And I do a similar four, well, I do a different four questions that go ramp up in complexity for Chad uh, worth, Dude, do a leaderboard. Worth listening. Well, it's different questions, but um, worth listening yeah, but, to, mm. to hear the answers to those uh, pop quizzes uh, alone. So check out those. Wicked. Chief, I've got two questions for you, actually. Okay. One, are you watching the the new BBC Alan Partridge show? Um, question answered no, uh, but I will probably... You know what? I'm going to do... It's an iPlayer. I'm going to do that right now. After, after we finish wrapping up this, I'm going to... Watch episode one, and I'll let you know what I, what I think of it. Okay, episode two's on tonight. Uh, question two: Do you think there's anyone out there that sort of thinks? I tell you what grinds my gears: that guy Chief. So you know when you go inside your mind, yeah. and all these people are grinding your gears. Yes. I want to know if you think somewhere out there, like in your office, yes. you've got an enemy that's like that Chief grinds my gears. Almost impossible. Almost, yeah, I thought but, you'd say that. But, it's but, but, impossible. but highly likely. <laughs> I don't know. It's impossible, but likely. Yes, yes. Uh, find well. us in the usual places, talkingjoecomics at gmail.com, talkingjoecomics on Instagram, talking underscore Joe on Twitter, 
and Talking Joe, a G.I. Joe podcast on Facebook. Uh, I've had a good time, as always. Catch us next week, listen out for the interview, and we will see you down the road. See you later, guys. Don't, don't.